David remembered the promise he had made to Jonathan to show kindness to his family. So David called Ziba, one of the servants who used to serve Saul, to appear before him. David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? the king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. So David sent for him. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? David also appointed Ziba and his family to farm the land and serve Mephibosheth so he would be provided for. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. I am a man discovering destiny. I am a father leaving a legacy. I am the king of Israel. It's wonderful to be back at Kingsgate. Um, We seem to make this trip every summer, so it gives me a chance to also visit my grandchildren in Cambridge, which I love doing, and it's wonderful to be with you again, but also wonderful to have the privilege of being part of this amazing series that you're covering on the life of David. I wonder, have you ever dined with someone famous? I must admit, I was sort of wrecking my brain to try and think of somebody. And then I thought, well, I thought no at first, and then I suddenly thought, well, I have. I've dined out quite often with Dave and Karen Smith, your very own. <laughs> that, that's my biggest claim to fame, I'd have to say. Paul, however, my husband, never lets me forget that he did get an invitation to Buckingham Palace. He used, when he got it, he waved it around and said, I don't see your name on there, Priscilla, anywhere. Um, and so he has made a lot of fuss about that. But I suppose if you got an invitation to have dinner with royalty, you probably would tell that story quite a few times. And our story today is about someone who got an invitation to dine with the king. It's part of David's story. And so I come to you today as we look at this story, and I am bearing an invitation to all of you, every single person sitting here in Peterborough, sitting in Leicester, sitting in Cambridge, each one of you get a personal invitation to have a dinner date with the king. I don't know if you watched that TV program, Come Dine With Me. Well, this is a come dine with me moment. Because what happened in the part of the story that we want to look at today is that there is a person called Mephibosheth. I've practiced that a lot. (laughs) And we first hear of 
this young man under very tragic circumstances. Actually, we hear of him when he's only five years old in the story. And his father, Jonathan, and his grandfather, Saul, have just died. And news comes that that they have died on the battlefield. And his nurse picks him up and goes to run away, flee with him, and he's dropped and he ends up being lame in both his feet. He ends up being disabled. And then we pick up his story because what happens is that many years later, when David is established as king, he remembers his friend Jonathan. And he makes inquiries, are there any members of Jonathan's family still alive that I could befriend? And in hearing about Mephibosheth, he invites him to come to dinner. Now Mephibosheth came not knowing what might happen. Because in those days, it was common practice if a king was defeated or died, that often his near relatives would be slaughtered as a new king came to power. And so Mephibosheth responds to this invitation of David's to come, but he comes a broken man. He's not just broken physically, but he's broken emotionally as well. He's lost his inheritance. He's lived with the shame of his grandfather Saul's actions. And his own self-worth has taken such a battering. Actually, the place that he lived is called Lodabar. And often names are really relevant in Scripture. And that place where he was living represented where he was emotionally and spiritually because the name means land of nothing. It means without pasture. And he was in hiding there. And so he responds to the invitation. How amazed he must have been even to get the invitation from King David. But he must have been amazed at David's kindness. Because when he came, he realized David wasn't just inviting him for a one-off meal. But actually, David was inviting him to be a permanent guest at the table. It wasn't just one occasion. He was offering him a permanent seat at the king's table. And he also restored to him all of his grandfather's land and gave him servants to work that land and so provide for him. Why would David do it? Why would he reach out to this person? He didn't need to do it. Why did he do it? Well, his motivation was twofold. It was out of a heart of love, but it was also because of a promise he had made. Promise in the Bible is often called a covenant, a binding promise. And he wanted to reach out to someone because he wanted to show them God's kindness. It says that in Scripture. He wanted to show them the kindness of God. So he does it from a place of love, but he's remembering Jonathan, his dearest friend, and that he'd made a binding promise to him that he would never cut off kindness from Jonathan's family. And I want to read you just a little section of that in Samuel where David and Jonathan make this promise together. It's in 1 Samuel 20 and it's verse 15 and this is Jonathan talking and he says, and do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. 
So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him, because he loved him as he loved himself. And then in verse 42, Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is witness between you and me, between your descendants and my descendants forever. And so they had made this very important promise to one another. And David responds, out of love and out of a promise made. Well, today, you have been invited to the king's table. I feel as if I wish I could sort of pull out of my bag like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of invitations and just give them out to you all. Because each one of you need to know today that there is a place reserved at this table for you. We have four girls and I've had the privilege of, you know, hosting four weddings for them and I just loved sending out the invitations to my family and friends and inviting them to the table and I remember the nights we sat and wrote all of the names on the place tags, etc, etc and it gave me so much joy but honestly, nothing gives me greater joy than today when I can say to you, there's an invitation here for you to come to this table. There is a place reserved for you. There's a place with your name on it. And even as I was praying about this morning, I got the sense that for some, some people or maybe some person who was listening, the feeling that you get as I say this is of almost looking around a door and seeing this amazing banqueting hall spread out in front of you. A bit like if you've ever seen those documentaries about the Queen and Buckingham Palace and when they have those state banquets and they show you how the, precisely everything's organized and the beautiful flowers and the crystal and the china. And that person's looking around and going, I, I could never go in there, I don't fit there. And as I prayed about it, I could just see the Lord, the King, getting off his chair and coming to the door and holding out his hands and saying, come on, it's your invitation. You've got a place at this table, your name. There's a name place for you. Come on, you're welcome here. And if that's you today, I hope you hear the King giving you that amazing invitation. And you know, the reason God does it is the same two reasons as David invited Mephibosheth. It's because of love. And it's because of promise, covenant. He loves us. He loves you. And he wants to invite you to come to this table. But he's also interested in the whole idea of covenant. You know, we're like Mephibosheth. He's almost like a picture of us because we're broken as well. We're broken by sin. We've experienced shame. We've experienced rejection. But God loves us and he reached out to us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And he wants to show you kindness today. God wants to show you kindness. And he does it on the basis of promise. The Bible word for it is covenant. In the Old Testament, God made an agreement with the nation of Israel and it was called a covenant. And they, he said to them that if they worshiped him and obeyed his commands, that he would be their God and he would protect them and he would provide for them. 
But you know, in Jesus, God makes a new covenant with humanity. And this covenant isn't on the basis of keeping rules and regulations, but this covenant is on the basis of accepting that Jesus has, of all that Jesus has done for us at the cross, he promises to forgive us, he promises to fill us with his Holy Spirit, he promises to place his life and his truth on the inside of us. And you know, the difference between the old and the new covenant is, the old covenant was like a two-way agreement. The new covenant is a one-way agreement because God does everything and all we have to do is receive it. That's why when we get this invitation today, all we have to do is to say, yes, God, I'm going to respond to this invitation. It explains it to us in Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 10, it gives a little explanation of this new covenant, this new promise. And it says in verse 16, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. It's a work that God does on the inside of us and that's what's available to us. If you respond to the king's invitation today, if you take a seat at this table, you will experience his love and you'll benefit from this amazing covenant that he offers us. And I suppose as I thought about Mephibosheth coming to dine with David, I was thinking, well, what can we expect if we come to dine with the king? What did Mephibosheth experience? And what can we experience as well? And of course, the very first thing that Mephibosheth experienced and that you and I will experience is mercy and grace. David wanted to show Mephibosheth God's kindness. It wasn't even that David was just being kind himself. He wanted to reflect the fact that he was in relationship with a God who was supremely kind. And so he reaches out to this young man. And when we come to the table, God shows us his kindness. And what is his kindness? His kindness is his mercy and his grace. His grace is that we get what we don't deserve, that he loves us unconditionally. He favors us. You can't be unfavored because God sets his favor upon you. He gives you his unconditional love at this table. And then he also gives you his mercy because mercy is the withholding of what we do deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is withholding what we do deserve. And because Jesus died for us, then our sins, we will never have to be punished for them. And God can forgive us. And there's a lovely um, little verse in Song of Songs, a book in the Old Testament that says, he brought me into his banqueting house and his banner over me is love. That's the invitation that many of you have responded to. That's the place that you're sitting in this morning. It is something to just give thanks for afresh. It is something to get excited about. As you sit here, his banner over you is love and you will experience his mercy and grace. But you know, I love this fact that David wanted to reflect something of the nature of God. And if we are people who have received his mercy and grace, then God wants us 
to leave the kind of legacy that David left, to live out of a place of the kindness of God, the goodness of God, to reflect that to the people, our family, and our friends. And I find this very challenging. Who am I showing the kindness of God to? If I've already taken my seat at the table, then who am I showing the kindness of God to? I was really challenged about this many years ago. I continue to be challenged by it, but many years ago, um, I remember walking to the back of church on a Sunday morning, and there was a young girl standing there, and I went over to say hello to her, and immediately I recognized her. She was just about 16, and I knew that I'd met her in a church in the south of Ireland about a year or two before, and I said, what are you doing here? Now, she looked terrible. She looked disheveled. She was dirty. She was smelly. She really looked terrible. And, um, and she started to tell me what had happened, and she'd run away from home. She'd been homeless. She'd been living on the streets in several of the cities in Ireland. She'd been, got involved in drugs. She'd also got involved. She was 16 years old. She'd also got involved in prostitution. Now, I was a mother of four teenagers, and my heart did go out to her, but you know something? I'm ashamed to tell you that even as she stood in front of me, I was thinking, you know, I should invite her back home for lunch, but also thinking, I don't really want to. Now, honestly, I really am ashamed of that. And it felt like the Holy Spirit was prompting me to give her the invitation. Now, we had teenage girls, and at that time, we always made... Sunday lunch, a family event. You know, it's life's busy. It was the one we sat around the table. I made a special meal. We talked about the week. It was our family time, and we were quite protective of it. So I started to reason in my head, well, you know, it's, the girls will be really mad if I invite somebody back because they know that this is a protected time, and they'll be cross with me for inviting somebody like this. And, re and so I'm reasoning this all out in my mind, but the Holy Spirit would not let me off the hook. And so eventually, and I said, well, why don't you come for lunch. And I'd have to say, I mean, to my shame, our girls were just so lovely with her. They engaged with her. They chatted with her. They took her to her, their bedrooms afterwards, talked, listened to music. And you know, one end of the table was my 16-year-old, and the other end was this young girl. And I thought, there's a lifetime of experience between these two kids. And she was only a kid. And somehow we got the chance as a family to show her the kindness of God over the next few months. And I'm glad to say about a year later, I was back at her home church and she was back home again and she was back with her family again. But you know, we get the privilege if we have responded to the invitation of the king like David to show the kindness of God to people. However way, God gives us an opportunity to do that. And you know something, even this morning during first service, I had such a strong sense that the Lord was saying, this wasn't just to be your legacy as individuals, but there was something in this that was a legacy for the church here, for Kingsgate, and both in Leicester, Cambridge, and here in Peterborough, that part of your legacy is showing people the kindness of God. It's what is reflected in what we've heard this morning in terms of the 
teams that serve here, they're wanting to reflect the nature of who your God is, his kindness. And in a Britain today where we're shutting the doors to the strangers and the displaced and the homeless, I believe that God has a call on your life to fling wide the gates, fling wide the doors, and invite in those who are displaced, to invite in the stranger, to invite in the ones who are lonely and have no place in a family and say, you can belong here and you can be part of the family here. I believe that's part of your legacy in Kingsgate to display the kindness of God as David did to this young man, Mephibosheth. But what else do we get when we come to the table? Mercy, grace, but we also get forgiveness and reconciliation. You see, Mephibosheth's grandfather grandfather Saul had been David's enemy, and he had been out to destroy David. But yet, David forgives. And he not only forgives, but he seeks reconciliation with Saul's grandson. And so, as Mephibosheth comes, that's what he experiences, reconciliation with the king. If you take up the invitation that the king is giving you today and you come to this table, you too will receive forgiveness and reconciliation. He will forgive all of your sin and we get to be reconciled to him. That's what Jesus was doing on the cross. Jesus came because our sin had separated us from God. The relationship was broken. But he came and he carried our sin away so that you and I could have a relationship with the king, so that you and I could be reconciled. That's what is available at the table today. And the challenge goes on for those of us who are sitting here. Am I prepared to be as forgiving as David? Having received forgiveness, having sat at this table, Am I prepared to allow the Holy Spirit to come and help me and enable me to release forgiveness to those who did me harm, who meant me harm? There's someone here and there's someone in your life who actually tried to destroy you. But you did respond to the King's invitation and you have known what it is to be forgiven. And the Lord says to you today, I know how hard it is to release forgiveness to this person. Please, I just feel like the Lord's saying to you, I'm not underestimating what I've asked you to do, but I will give you the power. I will give you the strength. I will pour my Holy Spirit into you, and you will feel a burden lifted off your shoulders as you allow me to help you to forgive that person today. Because as we get to receive forgiveness, so we can release forgiveness to others. But the other thing that we get at the table today is we get freedom from fear and shame. And this is so wonderful that each person who responds as they sit at this table, they get to be released from fear and shame. You see, Mephibosheth's life at this point was dogged by fear. He was in hiding. He was in nowhere land. He was afraid for his life and he was carrying the shame of his grandfather's actions. What were David's first words to him? Don't be afraid. 
And that's what God's words to us are. Don't be afraid. Because at this table, God offers you freedom from fear. We sang about it today, didn't we? I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And if you respond to the invitation today, then those are not just words that you sing, but you can know it, that you know it, that you know it. I'm not a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. Because you see, as you come and you experience the love that God has for you, the Bible tells us that his perfect love casts out all fear, that he hasn't given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And you know something, when you're set free from fear and shame is lifted off you, then you're not ashamed to talk about him to other people, that you can share what he's done for you. Again, it has been so wonderfully demonstrated to us through Alpha, these people who've been telling their stories, and we can say without shame, this is who has rescued me. This is who has given my life meaning. This is the one who's changed my life dramatically. And so we come and we're delivered from fear and we're delivered from shame. Because you see, at this table, those of us who felt excluded get to be included. And the wonderful thing is, you don't even have to dress up to come to this dinner date. You don't have to look good. You don't have to sort of say, oh, my life's a bit of a mess. I better sort of spruce myself up before I sort of meet God. It's not like that. I mean, I have a wedding invitation sitting in my kitchen at the minute. And, you know, I'm thinking about what I'm going to wear, and I'm trying to persuade Paul that I really need a new outfit. In fact, he did say to me this morning, well, you, you were talking about a new outfit for that wedding. Just wear what you're wearing today. And I said, this whole thing, this is all right for Peterborough, but it's not well right for a wedding. <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only, I did dress up for you. I did. Um, but, you know, we tend to dress up if we have an important date to go to. You don't have to dress up for this date. You can just come as you are. That's what the invitation says. Come as you are, come as you are. There's an amazing song out at the moment that says that. Come as you are. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Come as you are. And that's where we will be released from the fear and we will be released from the shame. You know, it's interesting how Mephibosheth described himself to David, isn't it? He said, I'm a dead dog. That's how he saw himself. But he gets an invitation to dine with the king. Some of us can feel like that at times. I was, had the privilege of being in Albania earlier this year, and I was sitting with one lovely lady, and she was, I was asking her questions about what it was like to live under that communist dictatorship, and it was horrendous. And as she told her story, she said, Priscilla, we were stripped of everything. We were stripped of our worth and our dignity as human beings. And she said this to me, we lived like dogs. Sometimes, just like Mephibosheth, that's how we feel. But when we come to the table, what we understand is God values us and loves us so much that whatever we're ashamed of in our past, whether it was something we did or something that was done to us, we get a new beginning at this table. We get a new beginning. And one of the meanings given to the name Mephibosheth is one who destroys shame. 
God invites you to the table today because he wants to lift your fear and he wants to lift your shame. And you know, some of us who have been sitting at the table haven't realized that. And God wants to come and do that for us today, to break the fear and lift the shame. And then, of course, at the table, we're offered relationship. That's what David offered Mephibosheth. He told him not just to come and eat with him on a one-off basis, but he told him, look, you can eat here all the time. You've got a permanent place at the table. And we're told in Scripture that he ate at the king's table like one of the king's sons. He became part of the family. And that's what God is offering you and I. He's offering us relationship. Because a table is a very relational place, isn't it? I mean, I love it when our family gets together and, you know, we've had to expand the table over the years and we're all sitting around and it's chat and we're all talking over each other. I love it when we get together with friends and and you have those times around a table. A table is meant to be relational. We're not meant to be on our own. I hate eating on my own, even going in for a coffee. I tend to avoid it if I'm on my own. These days, I sometimes sneak in if I've got my phone with me because you are able to bring the phone out and go, well, I do have some friends, you know, I'm just not having coffee on my own because I don't have any friends. They're all here on this phone and, and you can sort of scroll through it and pretend to other people in the restaurant that you actually have some friends. But we're not meant really to, to be on our own and God offers us relationship at the table. He adopts us into his family. We become his children. Mephibosheth was as one of the king's sons, and it says in the New Testament in Galatians, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. And so the invitation goes out to you. He wants an intimate relationship with you. And of course, as you have that relationship, within the relationship, at the table comes restoration. Our God is a God of restoration. David restored to Mephibosheth all the land of his grandfather. And when we come to the king's table, he restores to us what the enemy has stolen from us. He restores to us our worth and value. He restores to us our dignity as human beings. He brings healing to our hurts and we become heirs of God. We have an amazing inheritance that is God himself and all of the riches that are in Christ and the hope of eternal life. Could we get a better invitation that this is what is offered to us and it's sealed by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Again, one of the privileges of this season and Paul in my life is we get to travel and we hear many people's stories. And I talked to one girl and we, were, we weren't particularly talking about the theme of restoration, but as I was thinking about this, her story came to mind. She had lived quite a, I suppose you could have said a wild life before she came to Christ. She had multiple relationships. Um, her life was really messed up. Um, and she came to Jesus and it, she just was a changed girl and uh, experienced his forgiveness. And it was a really, it was a wonderful turnaround in her life. But she told me that eventually she met a young man and he was a Christian and she, they fell in love and they, they, they got married. But she said she was dreading her wedding day 
she told him about her past, nothing was hidden, it was all out there, but she said even though she knew she was forgiven, the thought of walking down the aisle to her, to her groom was just overwhelming for her because she said, you know, I knew that I couldn't walk up to him as a pure bride. And she said, it was troubling me so much and I knew I couldn't reverse my past. And she said, it was just becoming a dread. And she said, right up to the wedding day. But the amazing thing was, as she stood at the um, beginning of the aisle before she started to come in on her wedding day, she said, the Holy Spirit came and met with me. She said, he just poured himself out on me. And she said, I just felt the shame of my past being lifted off me. And she said, this was, this was what was so lovely about what she said. She said, Priscilla, I knew that I couldn't become physically a virgin again. But she said, when I walked down that aisle, she said, I felt that I was a virgin going to meet my groom. And I just thought, God is a God who restores. He is an amazing God. So whatever your past and whatever you feel you're, you've lost, the Holy Spirit will restore as you come back to him. And it's not just restoration, but it's also provision. Because when Mephibosheth came to the table, David wasn't just feeding him a one-off meal, but he set things in place for him to make sure that he was properly provided for. Um, because he had given him back his grandfather's land, he made sure the land was farmed and that the proceeds of that would be Mephibosheth's income. And you know, when you come to this table, God promises you provision. He promises you spiritual provision, sins forgiven, new life, the presence of the Spirit of God in your life, but he promises emotional provision and material provision because the Bible says that my God will meet your needs more abundantly than you can ask or think. And so he provides for us in every way when we respond to his invitation and we come to the table. Peter in the New Testament tells us, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And so, as we come to the end of our time today, I'm standing here with an invitation, an invitation from the King, the King of Kings, to come dine with him. Why don't we pray? Father, we just want to say thank you that you have issued this invitation to us. It is amazing to us that you would want us to come to your table and that we would sit and experience your amazing grace and your mercy and your forgiveness and your love. That we would come to this table and experience being released from fear and shame and that you would restore to us what the, our enemy has taken from us and be our provider. And so Father, I pray that you will move right across this room today and that you will touch people's hearts and Father, that they will have the courage to respond to this invitation. As we have an opportunity in a moment to respond, would you give people the courage to say, yes, I'm coming to the table. I'm coming to dine with the King. Because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.